And so many of you know that last autumn, I was able to go and visit a missionary family that we support, and so the, the Govenders, uh, and so they work with OM in Central Asia. And I had a great time with them, uh, and whilst I was there, I was able to visit some of the projects that they're involved in, uh, get to meet some of the people that they work alongside, and just enjoy trying to understand what daily life is like for them. And so when I visit another country, one thing I always like to do is to go to like the supermarket, because I think you actually learn a lot about a country just by going to a supermarket, and you can see what the foods that there are in that. And so I, I loved being able to do that, and as they did their shop, I just went up and down the aisles and saw the different you know, produce that there was. Um, uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed, and it'll be no surprise to you, that I enjoyed that I got to go to church with them. Uh, and so they do that in two ways, do the governors. And so in the morning, they meet up uh, with another missionary family from Australia, and they have a house church together. And so that service, unsurprisingly, is all in English. Uh, and so I was able to partake in that. In fact, I, I led a bit of worship uh, during that. Uh, we um, were in God's word together. We prayed together. We broke bread together. And we had a meal together. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. And in that, I was able to like, participate in absolutely everything. In the afternoon, uh, they went to a local service. And so that was in a language that I could not read. I could not speak. I could understand very little of what was going on. I did recognize some of the songs that they sang, and so I was belting them out in English as they sang them in their local language. I hope I wasn't too off-putting for them, but I was up for it. It was a really different service. Now, one of the things that was really different about it, I was, come to me at the end, and I'll show you this video. I've got it on my phone. I wasn't organized to get it on the screen. And so the pastor there, to start the service, he has this huge ram's horn and he blows it to get everyone's attention and to get everyone back together. And then that is how they start the service together. It's just like blowing this, this huge horn. And then randomly, he just does it throughout the service as well. And so, but I, I quite liked it. Well, do you know what? I instantly sent the video to Martin and said, how about this? <laughs> so he didn't respond to it. He didn't. Um, but there was loads of different things. There was folks dancing. There was folks waving banners. The pastor got up to speak more than once. He preached two sermons. And the introduction was half an hour to the first one. Uh, and so just hands up. Anyone keen for that? And so, no, no. The nervous laughter maybe says it all there. So, um, It was a different time together. It was really different. But throughout it all, I think, no, I know, I had a huge cheesy smile on my face. I had this deep feeling that as I looked across the room and I looked across at the faces that I'd never seen before, I looked at people that I would probably never see again, people that I couldn't understand and they couldn't understand me, I still had this huge deep feeling of this is my family. These are my brothers and sisters. I didn't know any of them by name, but although we had so many differences, there was so much of a gap between us, this was my family. And I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to go and um, visit different parts of the world and, and be a part of church services around the world. And that feeling of this is my family is one that has always come back to me. And as I stand here and as I look out, that is the feeling that I have here. And so um, some of you will know that I, I grew up in this church. So I started coming to this church when I was six years old. 
Uh, and so that's uh, 34 years uh, that I've been uh, coming into this place uh, and worshipping with some of you have been there for a long time of that. Um, many of you have been. And so just looking out across the room, there's, there's a couple of folks who were here on my first Sunday. And it is an absolute privilege and honour to be able to come together as the body of Christ to lift up our praises to our King and our Lord and to our Heavenly Father. So we're continuing through our vision statement series, and this week we're looking at how we are family and looking at connectedness. And so Jacob, I wonder if you'd be able to pop the first slide on the screen, just so I can have this vision statement up here. So it says, we see a church that is a loving family connected in small groups. It will be men and women and boys and girls who care for each other. Every member will be part of a small group where we love, encourage, and help one another. We will weep when others weep and rejoice when others rejoice. We will be concerned about our brothers and sisters. Uh, Sorry, we will be more concerned about our brothers and sisters than ourselves. And so throughout our time together, I'll be looking at a bit at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. Uh, and as we go through that passage, and you know, as you do with one of these sermons, you kind of dot around a little bit, so I'll be doing that a bit as well. Um, but I'll be looking at three different questions. And so first of all, what does it mean for us to be family? Um, second of all, what gets in the way of our unity? And thirdly, how can we be meaningfully connected with one another? Now, as we come to a topic like this, undoubtedly, we will all bring our hurts and our disappointments. And it's important that we recognize that at the start. There will be times when each of us will remember the times that we've not felt that love, we've not felt that care, that encouragement, or we've not received the help that we've really needed. We'll probably remember some times when we did weep alone, other times when we rejoiced alone, and the times of when we have felt isolated rather than connected. And so it's important as when we come to any message, uh, especially when we're going through these vision statements, uh, and I think even some more this one, that we come with repentant hearts. And we acknowledge that, you know, we have probably let others down. I know that as I have gone through this statement, I've been reminded of the times when... <laughs> I have not loved as well as I could have. I have not cared as well as I could have. So we come with repentant hearts. So what does it mean to be family? Family is a word that I use a lot when I speak about church. uh, But it's one that I want to be careful that I don't use flippantly. But here is the reality. Each of us in this room who trust in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, that have welcomed Jesus into our lives, who have in the power of the Holy Spirit given our lives and worship to Jesus, if that describes you, then we are family. So if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read a bit from there. Uh, so if you've got uh, one of these uh, P Bibles, and uh, as John said, please do just go up and, and grab one. And if you don't have a Bible, please take it home with yourself. So, but anyways, it's page 977 in, in one of these, if you've got it. So here we read, um, I therefore, 
a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And I'll come back to the rest of the verses a little bit later on. But in those, uh, those few verses, we're reminded time and time again that we are one. So as you go through that passage, that there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one hope, one baptism, one God and Father. There are not segments here, but we are all one in Christ. We're all joined together by the blood of Christ and are given the title by our heavenly father of adopted sons and daughters. And we're called co-heirs with Christ. And you can see that in Romans 8. So in this room, if you trust in Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of his, then we are one. It is the love of Christ that unites us together. It is his love that he pours into each of us that then should overflow in our lives to our brothers and sisters. So this morning as we sit in this room, we don't sit here as mere individuals. We're not simply just attending something. We're not simply just participating in something. We're not just friends. We're not just acquaintances in this place. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul writes in that passage, and he encourages family members to behave in certain ways. So if you just want to follow through uh, verses 1 and 2 with me. So I'm just going to pick out five things. They're pretty obvious. So the first one encourages us to be humble, humility. Let's look at our own hearts and the grace that we need from Jesus at all times. In Philippians 2, 3, Paul writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. It then encourages us to be gentle. Let's not deal harshly with one another. Let's be careful in the words we use and the tone in which they are used. Let's be patient with one another. And patience is difficult, isn't it? Because the only way to learn patience is often be to be in difficult times. But let's be patient with each other especially when we frustrate each other, let's give that time and space and grace. Let's always remember with patience how our Heavenly Father is patient with us. Next, bearing with one another. The NLT says, make allowance for each other's faults. So again, let's be gracious with one another, gracious with our brothers and sisters. And so all of that is wrapped up in love. In all things, we love one another. In Romans 12, 9 to 10, it says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In fact, this is a verse that came up in our young adults Bible study, and I'll be uh, mentioning a, bit, a little bit of that later on. But we were speaking about that verse, and it's like, it's a great verse. If you are competitive, this is the verse for you. How can we outdo one another in showing honor? In 1 Corinthians 13, 
Paul describes what love looks like. Now, of course, in all these things, we're not going to get these right all the time. But we strive for these things. And we ask for our Father's help by the power of his Spirit to be able to live these things out. Church family, let's look around this room, even just now, and consider how we can outdo one another in showing honor. How can we consider others to be more significant than ourselves? How can we bless them? Even look around the space and see who's not with us today. And how can we go out of our way to bless them, to show that we care for them, to show that we love them, for that love that the Father has poured into us to overflow to them. So that leads on to our next question of, so what gets in the way of us being family? What gets in the way of unity? So in that passage, uh, Paul urges us to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, But what gets in the way of that unity? And there's one thing I want to pick out on this. And as we read through the Lord's Prayer, I think we find a significant answer for us. So every line, bar one in the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus has taught us to do, all bar one line is to do with our vertical relationship with God. But there's one that's not. So in there, we're told to, to, to praise him, consider who he is and who he is to us. In our prayers, we submit ourselves to God and to his will and not ours. We're called to look to him for provision each day. We ask him to forgive our sins. We ask him to guide us in life, to lead us away from temptations, to help us in the battle against evil. You all know where I'm going with this, but let me just keep going. There is one line in here and one line about our horizontal relationship, the one that we have with each other. And if you and I were going to choose what that one line could be, what would you choose for that? So maybe we would pray, unite us together in Christ, or to love one another with a sacrificial love, or to care for the poor, the widows, the vulnerable, the lonely. And don't get me wrong, we should be praying for those things. We absolutely should be. But Jesus, in his complete wisdom, decided that that one line should be that we need to forgive one another. Why? Because he knows that we're going to mess up. He knows that we, at some stage, we're going to offend one another. That we will disagree with one another. Why? Because we are all broken people. I find it interesting in that passage there. The one part of the prayer that Jesus explains, or goes on to speak about further, is about how we forgive one another really elevates the importance of it. He knows for us to be family that we will regularly have to forgive each other. And in this prayer, there is an expectation that we will forgive. So it says there, Matthew 7, 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus places this expectation on us that when we come come to him for our forgiveness, that we are not withholding forgiveness from others. But we know it's not easy. Forgiveness is not easy, and I don't think forgiveness is meant to be. Forgiveness is something deeply personal, where through the power of the Spirit, we're able to absorb a blow and take it to the cross of Christ. Without forgiveness, 
this is where we see bitterness grow. So some of you who are avid readers of the weekly news, I know you all are. I know, I know at 12 o'clock on a Thursday, you're just waiting for that email to come in. Anyways, uh, from about May to July last year, uh, I went through a book from R.T. Kendall called Total Forgiveness. And in the weekly news and the star bet, like I do like a little devotion or something, um, I did quotes from that book. Uh, and if you're, uh, Tim Keller's got a book on forgiveness about, uh, as well, and it's bound to be good because Keller's written it. But if you're looking for another good book on forgiveness, this R.T. Kendall one is fantastic. It is brilliant. And um, if you're looking for a book to read, please do pick it up. But R.T. Kendall in this book says, a high level of bitterness is a virtual guarantee for having no peace of mind. Don't let bitterness take root. Don't let self-pity or self-righteousness grow, but humble ourselves in obedience to what Jesus asks of us. Forgiveness comes from a heart that knows that it has been forgiven and who has forgiven that heart. Forgiveness is refusing to punish. It's refusing to tarnish someone else's relationship. It's refusing to hold on to hurts, refusing to keep a record of wrongs and bringing them back out again and again. Forgiveness is choosing to be merciful. Be merciful even as your father is merciful in Luke 6. It's choosing to forgive even when you don't hear the word sorry. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Sometimes we're not going to hear the word sorry. Some things are done not with ill intent. They're done innocently, but that's maybe not how they land on us. Jesus didn't wait to hear sorry, neither should we need to. It's easier to forgive when we hear that word. There's no doubt about it. But our forgiveness shouldn't be dependent on it. Forgiveness is something you might have to do every single day of your life. Forgiveness is a lifelong commitment. And at the same time, forgiveness doesn't mean that we dismiss what has been done. It doesn't mean that we just let wrong things happen. Sometimes justice rightly needs to be pursued. We lovingly hold one another to account and point them to the cross of Christ and together, humbly continue to seek the sanctification that we all need. R.T. Kendall, in his book, he calls it, he didn't just call it forgiveness, he speaks of total forgiveness because he speaks of how we should then go on to pray for that person. It's not that we just pray to forgive someone and then we try to ignore them. He speaks of how can we then pray for them to be successful. How can we pray for God's blessing in their life, that they would prosper in the Lord? What gets in the way of our unity? Unforgiveness. Let us be a church family that as much as possible is quick to forgive. Forgiveness, I believe, can be a process. It can take time, but we should be on that path of forgiveness. Would unforgiveness never come in the way of us being family, of our oneness in Christ? Would we eagerly maintain our unity by forgiving one another? 
So that takes me to my last question of how can we be meaningfully connected with one another? And so I've got three answers for that one. So the first one is by growing closer to Christ. The second is by using what the Spirit gives us. And the third, by not neglecting to meet together. So first of all, by growing closer to Christ. And so if you want to look at Ephesians 2, so you just need to, you can stay on the same page. It's just a, well, it depends what version you're looking at. You might have to flip back a page, but you're close. So Ephesians 2, 12 to 14. Here we read, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without gods in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Each of us, at some stage, have been distant from Christ. But by the miracle of grace, we who were once far off have been brought close by the sacrifice of Jesus. Only he has the power to do that. Only he has the power to reconcile us to him. Now, if Christ has the power to reconcile us to him, how much more so does he have the power to reconcile us to one another? Or as Paul puts it, to break down the walls. Um, Jacob, would you be able to put the next slide on the screen? Uh, I've not come up with this. Someone else came up with this, but I'm just stealing it because I think it's really good. Uh, And so there's a guy called Andrew Wilson, not our Andrew Wilson, another Andrew Wilson. I think I say this every time I quote him. Um, He's a a pastor down in London. Uh, And so he speaks on this passage and he came up with this diagram. Uh, And so you can see that you've got uh, me in the bottom left. Uh, You can replace you with your name if you'd like. And you've got Jesus at the top. And so the more that we are reconciled to Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus, something else automatically happens. Or for that distance between ourselves shortens. It's a really simple diagram, but I love it. We need one another to be growing closer to Christ. So what does that mean for us? It means that we need to be encouraging each other. So I need to be encouraging my brother John to say, John, how are you getting on with Jesus? Are you growing closer to him? How are you getting on in his words? Are you, do you feel like your relationship is growing in that? I need to be asking everyone that question. You need to be asking me this question. Because we want, A, first for us to be growing closer to Christ. And B, we want to be growing closer to one another. So first of all, for us to grow closer together, we individually need to be growing closer to Christ. Second of all, meaningfully connected by using what he has given us. So look back in Ephesians 4, and let me pick up uh, from verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In 1 Corinthians 12 Uh, And you see it in Romans as well, Romans 12. Paul describes further gifts 
and how the Holy Spirit gives um, these to each and everyone in the church as he wills. Everyone has a gift and everyone is important. These gifts, they're there for us to use for the glory of Christ and for the upbuilding of his church. So here are a quick few questions to consider. Do you know how you are gifted? If not, do you pray for God to make that clear to you? How are you using that gift for God's glory? How are you using that gift that the Holy Spirit has given you for the encouragement of his church? As we consider being family together and being connected, I really believe that these are important questions. So again, Andrew Wilson, reflecting on this passage, uh, says diversity of gifts equals a unity of purpose. So I'll read that again because I think it's a, a really good line. A diversity of gifts equals unity of purpose. So as we all continually seek how the Lord has made us and blessed us, as we use what he has given, we see how we can be a blessing to others and we find our role within the body of Christ. And we see how God has blessed others and how we need them. We see how they are different and we look to encourage them so that as the body of Christ, we can live well. If you flip down a few verses in Ephesians 4, I'll look at verses 15 and 16. It says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm deeply thankful that as I look out this room, I see a lot of people who are different to me and have been gifted in ways that are different. If you were all the same as me, A, that would be really strange. B, it would be a complete disaster. And thirdly, if there's an expectation that I am meant to be everything on this list that we've looked at, and you look at Romans and Corinthians and here, then we are all going to be really, really upset. <laughs> because there is absolutely no way that I can be absolutely everything on these lists. Because that is not the way that God has made me. That is not the way that God has made any of us. He has made us all different and he has gifted us all different so that we know that we need each other. A diversity of gifts equals a unity of purpose. As I look out in this place, I see people who are gifted with children, some who are gifted in administration, some who are gifted in AV desks, in hospitality, in teaching, in prayer, gifts in wisdom, in knowledge, discernment, in service, encouragement, Gifts in generosity and shepherding and evangelizing. And I am so thankful how God has given us these different gifts. I need you. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need you to be looking at how God has made you. And I need, you to, be, I need to be encouraging you to use those gifts for the glory of God and for the upbuilding of his church. And lastly, meaningfully connected by being with one another. 
So our vision statement speaks specifically about small groups. So every member will be a part of a small group. Now, I think we joyfully open that up to not just members, but absolutely everyone who calls Hillview their church family. And I think we would go even further, not just to say small groups, but to be involved in prayer meetings and Bible studies like that. But how are we doing here? And I think as we go through these vision statements, it's good just to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, how are we getting on? And the honest answer is probably not amazing. Our report card would probably say, could do better. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm in a remarkably privileged position and that during the week, I get to spend time with lots of different people and lots of different groups. And I certainly don't have the expectation that you're able to do that as which I am. Um, you have all freed me up to be able to do things like that. And I am deeply thankful for that. But I'd like to share two experiences that I have that I think that we can all have in our lives. And so I'd like to speak just a little bit of what my small group is like and also of what my prayer triplet is like. So both of these groups have been a real blessing to me. They both take effort to be a part of. They take sacrifice to be a part of. But I will say that both groups are more than worth being a part of. So my small group, I've got a few of the members here as well, um, meet on a Thursday evening. Uh, so sometimes that is at Rachel Nye's house in Blackburn, but often it's at someone else's house as well. So we kind of share out the hosting, and it's great that other folks can share in the hospitality. So during those times, we'll often share meals together. We spend time in God's Word together. We'll often read a book together like we're doing uh, at the moment. We ask questions of what the text means. We ask questions of what does it look like to live a life of faithful worship in this culture. We pray together, we sometimes sing together, we certainly laugh a lot together. And my hope is that throughout it all, we continually point one another to Jesus. We share our lives with one another, and we get to know each other better. Over the years that I've been part of the small group, sometimes there have been five of us in a room together, and sometimes there has been 16 of us in a room together. We are far from a perfect group. It's a group where we sometimes fail one another and forgiveness needs to be shown. Could we be closer? Yeah, I'm sure we could. Could we be more vulnerable? Probably. Could we invest more in one another? Yeah, most likely. But I see a lot of love and care in that group. In all of these things, we understand that we're all a work in progress. And I am so grateful for the people that have been a part of that group over many years and how God has used them to encourage me and to bless me and to care for me. The second group is my prayer triplet. Uh, And so I meet with uh, Daniel Andrew and Craig Brown. Uh, And so we've been meeting together for, I think it's just over a year, a year and a half, something like that. Uh, I'm not too sure. (laughs) Something like that. 
Uh, and in that time, we have great f flexibility. We meet roughly every five to six weeks together. And in that time, we've eaten quite a lot of curry together. Uh, we've helped Daniel move house twice. <laughs> and so if you're looking for some easy labor when you're moving house, get a prayer triplet. There you go. But in that time, I really think we've grown closer. When we meet together, we spend some time catching up. Um, we share life together. We share some things that are going really well. We share some things that we're struggling with. At the moment, we're going through a video by 24-7 Prayer. Uh, and so Pete Gregg gives a bit of teaching on prayer. Uh, so we discuss what that looks like. We try to practice uh, what we've just been taught. And we pray together. These are two guys that I know are praying for me. And it's been remarkable um, that on a day when I have been struggling with something, and I know that I've needed prayer, but for some reason I've just not put that out to them, one of them will put a message on the group and say, how can I pray for you? It's, it's, it's happened on a few occasions. I'm just so grateful for how God is at work through them and how they are an encouragement to me. I think over this time we are growing more vulnerable with each other, and I know that I need those people around me who I can be really vulnerable with. My wife, Rachel, is part of a prayer triplet too, and I know that she very much enjoys being a part of that. Now, for each of us to be in a small group in a prayer triplet, it's not always easy. It's really not. Yeah, we juggle work. Um, we've got two small children, but we see these things as so important that we're willing to try and make it work the best that we can. So I want to encourage every one of you, consider being a part of a small group. Consider being a part of a prayer triplet. Now, I know for many of you, you're juggling shifts at work, travel, and so committing to something week in, week out isn't easy. And so I'm going to speak on behalf of the small group leaders, and small group leaders, maybe forgive me for saying this, if you can't make it every week, I'm sure they're okay with it. But there's something of being a part of that group, that people who, who you know you can share some harder things in life. Can you make it work? Be committed to something. Let's be committed to one another. Let's not neglect meeting together. So as I come into land, let me quickly recap, because I realize I've said quite a lot. We are family together because of Christ. And the bonds that tie us together are far greater than any differences that we might have. Together, would we be humble? Would we be gentle, patient, gracious? And at all times, would we be full of love? Would we protect our unity by being a people who forgive? Even when it is most difficult because we know that we are forgiven by Jesus. Would we encourage each other in our faith? As we grow closer to Christ, would we grow closer to one another? Would we use what gifts the Spirit blesses us with for his glory and for his church, knowing that we all need one another? Would we not neglect meeting with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Would we find ways to have deep and meaningful relationships? As we come to close, um, Jacob, would you be able to put the final slide on the screen? Um, here we go. Sometimes the words of an old hymn, I think, just nail it. 
And I think this is just something I'd like us to pray together as we come to an end of, end of this passage. Now, the temptation is going to be tried to, to sing these words, but let's try and say them together, because if I start singing through this, it's not going to be fun. But let's say these words together as our closing prayer. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together with love. And Father, that is our prayer. Lord, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Lord, I thank you for those who couldn't make it with us today, for those who are maybe having to watch online because they can't make it in. And Lord, would you bind us together in love. We thank you that we are family, not because of anything that we have done, but all because of what Jesus has done. So we thank you that we are here today as your adopted sons and daughters. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for, for your forgiveness that is there anytime we need it. And Lord, would we not withhold forgiveness from one another, but would we strive to outdo one another in showing honor, that love that you poured into us would overflow to one another as we look to maintain that unity in Christ. Lord, would we continually encourage each other in our relationship with you, encouraging each other to, to spend more time with you, to grow closer to you, to know more of your love, Father, would we encourage each other to use the gifts that your spirit has blessed us with to your, for your glory, for the upbuilding of your church? Would we see that we desperately need each other in this place? Would we see that each and every single one of us, no matter who we are, have been blessed with a gift in some way? And each and every single one of us is important in the family of God. Would we encourage each other in how we use those gifts? And Lord, would we not neglect in meeting together? Lord, I pray that we would long for those deep friendships with each other, that deep relationships with each other, those places where we can be really honest with each other, really vulnerable. Would you show us those places where we can have that deep connection? Lord, I thank you for my church family. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that they are to me. I thank you for the way that they pray for me. I thank you for the way that they love me. I thank you for the way that they forgive me. Bind us together, God. Bind us together in love. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.